everyone. Welcome to Pay to Pay Real Estate Show. I'm your host, William Morales. And on today's show, I have Dan Barrett. He is the main man at AdWords Nerds, the world's largest Google uh, partner agency working only with real estate investors. He's managed over $5 million a year in client ad spend, found hundreds of real estate deals online for his clients, and has been behind extensive in industry experimentation and original research. He's worked with investors and companies like Joe McCall, who I heard of, Alex Youngblood, Tom Crow, 1-800-FAIR-OFFER, uh, Investor Carrot, and many, many more. Dan, thank you so much for being on Peter Pay Real Estate Show. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on. This is an absolute pleasure, and I'm looking forward to it. No, it's my pleasure, too. So, Dan, did early on, did you, did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Was this something that you grew up with? Did you realize maybe later in life this fell into your lap? Did you know you were going to be the Warren Buffett of AdWords? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to steal this. The Warren Buffett of, Ad, Warren Buffett of AdWords. I'm going to steal that. All yeah, right, my, net worth, my net worth is slightly below Warren's, but I'll be there soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, no, I did not. I was not entrepreneurial, really, in the, in the classical sense of the word. I, I, my original career path was I wanted to be a teacher. Specifically, I wanted to teach history. And so I was working in schools and, uh, you know, I got a master's degree in education, master's degree in history. How I ended up doing what I do and, and sort of learning all my marketing and getting into that whole world was I was in bands, like all through high school, mm -hmm. I played in bands. I, you know, I just, I liked going to shows and I, I wanted to be a musician. And so when you're in a, in a band, right, you're just a band with a bunch of knuckleheads or whatever from <laughs> high school or whatever, right. You know, you're doing everything yourself, right? Like there needed to be someone who was going to make t-shirts and someone who's going to make the flyer for the show. And the person who's going to handle the money, the person who's going to make the website. And I ended up just kind of doing that naturally, right? Like I had, I'd learned a little bit of HTML as a kid. And so I just kind of kept, doing a little bit of extra stuff, a little bit of extra stuff and sort of just being really familiar and comfortable with online marketing. And then when I was, you know, much later, I was doing my student teaching, I was getting ready to go find a job uh, as an educator, I had started freelancing, doing marketing for local businesses, just as a way of making extra cash, right? Because no. teachers don't make a ton of money. And at the time, I wasn't even a full-fledged teacher. I was like a paraprofessional and, and all this other stuff, substitute teaching, all that fun stuff. So, you know, I, I realized about a year into it that I was making more money freelancing than I would as a full-time teacher. And wow. so at that point, I just kind of made the decision, you know, I'm going to see if I could do this, right? Like, I'm going to see if this is a real thing, see if it's possible. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs, but it's basically been full-time ever since. And it's, uh, you know, now AdWords Nerds is, you know, we're the largest agency that kind of works specifically with investors. We're a team of seven people. Right. Um, and I just, yeah, I have this like wonderful opportunity to do cool stuff and work on difficult and complex problems. So yeah, it's been, it's been a weird, a weird trip, uh, right. but a fun one. 
would say. So when did you figure, once you knew that you wanted to definitely be an entrepreneur, so when did you figure you were unemployable? What was that year? You know, uh, when, when was the year, yeah. I should say? <laughs> I mean, it really settled into me. So this is funny. I was talking about this recently. We were just talking about 2020 off camera. We were talking about, you know, the start right. of the pandemic and all this stuff, right? And obviously, it, you know, looking now in the present as we're recording this, right? Yeah. We've had yeah. some time to sit with everything that happened. And it, it's kind of, you know, something that's become a part of our lives, right? But at the beginning of 2020, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know, are we all going to go back to like a system of barter? Like, you know, yeah. I bought like... 40 pounds of oatmeal because I was like, I don't know, you know, maybe. Right, right. I gotta, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know how farming for, works. For, for me, for me was uh, more drinking, more like Gatorade. I was pretty much hogging that. People, somebody told me, oh, you should drink uh, Gatorade. You know, uh, it's good for you. And I was, I'm like, all right, you know what? At this point, I'll try anything. So go ahead. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. I mean, anything, right? You remember, like, we couldn't buy toilet paper for like a hot yeah. month. No one could buy toilet paper. It was a whole thing. So like yeah. that time period, I, I really, um, it ended up not being a big deal for the company at all. Actually, we okay. had a really strong year that year, but I didn't know that. And that was the first real massive economic thing that I went through when I was both a full-time entrepreneur and I had kids. So I have two kids now, right? Okay. And I'd been through tough economic times before, but not as a father. Mm. And so that period, I really, you know, had the sense of, Oh, like my business could go under. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, do I have enough money in the bank? And I was really thinking, like, what would I do? Like, would I just go get a job somewhere else? Right. And I could. Like, I really believe this. Like, I could get a job somewhere else. I have the skill set. I'm ambitious. Like, someone would hire me. But it, I really realized that, yeah, I would be a terrible employee, right? Like, off, <laughs> just, just got off. And like, you know, at, at some point you get so used to working for yourself and so used to dictating your own path and making your own decisions and living and dying by the results of those decisions that it becomes very hard to think about just working at, at another company. And there's nothing wrong with working in another company. I employ wonderful people that are smarter than me in pretty much every single way. Right. It really is just a personality thing and how much you are willing to kind of let go of the reins of control a little bit. And so, yeah, I, I ended up in the right place uh, for sure, but it, it was not always obvious to me that this was going to be the way it was. Yeah, no, no, I, I listen, I, I I think about that also, you know, like going full-time in real estate, you know, I still have a job, but it's, um, I'm looking at it as a way, you know, just to make some extra money, but, you know, concentrate more on real estate, the podcast mm -hmm. side of it. And I, so I agree with you. It, I know like when I take vacation and I, and I'm fully working for two weeks, one week, whatever it is. And to think I got to go back and I'm like, geez, I control my time. I met people for, for lunch at one o'clock in the afternoon and I have to hurry to, to get back. So I get it. So tell us more about AdWord Nerds. Like when did, again, I, I, don't, I don't know if we got to the point, when did you start the company? Was it in 2020 or before then? Well, 2020 was when I realized okay. uh, 
I can never work for anyone else. Again. Right. Okay. Uh, so AdWords here, it's been a business for about a decade now. Ah, um, gotcha. Been, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, so AdWords nerds is a marketing agency, right? Mm -hmm. So people come to us to handle their online marketing specifically for finding motivated seller leads Right. and companies called AdWords nerds, because at the time it was Google AdWords. That was the name of the platform, right? So we, uh, you know, early on, I specialized entirely in Google ads and Google ads is primarily still what people know us for. Right? right. So it's handling Google advertising uh, for uh, people that want to find seller leads. We also do search engine optimization. Um, we do Microsoft ads, also known as Bing. Right. So we do Bing right. ads as well. Um, and, and really, it's just always been about connecting sellers with investors and finding, you know, helping our clients get more deals online. And um, it's it's been really fun and fascinating, right? We were lucky enough that when I got into uh, working with investors, there was basically nobody else doing that at the time. Mm -hmm. And investing as a part of real estate, I would say is anywhere from like five to 10 years behind the curve. Um, like if you compare what, for example, real estate agents or realtors do online versus what investors do, right. investors are in many ways Kind of behind the curve, right? In terms of understanding the tone of their marketing, the type of the marketing, the sort of the building of trust with the community over time, something that investors have always struggled with. And so we were lucky enough to get in there, really apply sort of industry standard, um, you know, testing practices and data analysis practices and, mm -hmm. and really get a really strong head start on folks. And our goal ever since then has just been to maintain it. So we are constantly changing and shifting and trying to adapt to the changes in the platform, changes in the housing market, right? Like the housing market today is very different than the housing market a year ago, right? right. It was always yeah. the case. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's it's never boring. It's always interesting. It's fast paced. It's fun. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. So when you guys... So any early mistakes that you guys made uh, with the company, you know, that you were able to overcome, uh, like, can you name like one of those, uh, one, of, uh, one or those two mistakes that could have derailed you guys, but you guys somehow overcame uh, any early mistakes? I hate to say failure because I think that's, to me, that's like a final word, failure. I like mistakes because... Right. Yeah. So sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but <laughs> yeah. No, 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 it's great. I mean, I'm, I totally with you, right? It's like you, in order to get smarter, right? Or to have a more a, a clearer picture of reality, right? You need to be wrong in some case, because if you're not, if your belief just gets validated as being correct, you are exactly as smart as you were before, right? There's no added knowledge. Right. It's when you're wrong, when you're like, oh, I have to update this belief in order to actually be in line with reality. That's when you are learning and getting smarter, right? So I, I think it's a great question. I mean, for me, there were, there were two big ones, right? One was really about online marketing is, is specifically. And then the other one was about just running my own business, right? Which, okay. you know, I was saying, I didn't have a business background. I never thought of myself as a business person per se. Right. So the first mistake was I completely relied on a single channel of marketing for the service that we delivered, right? Like I said, it was Google ads was the single channel we delivered. And specifically within Google ads, 
we only did one particular type of ad for one particular type of lead, right? We were only doing motivated sellers. We would only do search campaigns, only Google ads, et cetera, right? And we were, the reason we did that was a good one in the sense that I wanted to be the best in the world at something, right? right. And I was like, I don't have to be the best in the world at everything. I want to be the best in the world at one specific thing, right? Like you could be the best goldfish juggler in the world. And that's amazing, right? That's a thing that you can do. <laughs> so I was like, Google ads, motivated sellers, that's my thing. And we just worked on it and worked on it, worked on it and worked on it. But what ends up happening is you are extremely reliant on one company doing one particular type of thing, right? For the entirety of your business. And that's a dangerous place to be. And a couple of years ago, we ran into this issue where Google started flagging and suspending our clients. So we would, we would start up a new account, new client, right? They would come in, they were excited to do Google ads. We'd set up all their stuff. We'd hit the start button and immediately they would get suspended by Google. Right. And we found out later what was happening was Google had transitioned to using uh, like machine learnings or artificial intelligence to scan for potential bad actors, right? Like you can't start a Google ads account and sell drugs online or, yeah. or sell, you know, uh, fake masks or whatever it was, right? right? You, you, have, you have to work within the laws, obviously. And so Google was using this artificial intelligence system. Oh, what happened to my... Uh, Something happened to my uh, doodle here? I can still see. I mean, I can still hear you. Oh, okay. Weird. I'll switch. To, there you go. So, yeah, you're, you're so, good. Yeah. Yeah, something uh, something happened to me there. I'm not exactly sure why that is. So anyway, they switched to this artificial intelligence system and started flagging accounts that they, uh, you know what? I'm just going to change to a different camera. So okay. Don't have to All right. So they were, they switched to a a system for sort of catching these potential bad actors, right? But like all artificial intelligence systems, what they do is look at past patterns. They look at past experiences. They look at past data sets and they try to extrapolate, uh, you know, sort of uh, patterns and coincidences out of that and sort of act on that information. And so essentially what ended up happening was uh, someone who had been our client a couple years ago and was no longer our client, they issued a charge back against Google so that Google charged them for ads. And they were like, you can't charge me, Google, I charge you or whatever. And they took the money back via the credit card. So Google said, okay, well, that person's connected to you and that person did fraud on us. So therefore anybody connected to you is at risk of doing fraud. Right, which isn't true, but to a computer, all that matters is there's some sort of statistical connection there. Right. And so for a few months, every single client we would bring in would get suspended. And so I was like, we can't risk this. Like one of one of our values at AdWords Nerds is we are holders of a fiduciary standard, which to us means we are the caretakers of our clients' funds. And we we basically treat our clients' funds as our own, right? It, we, we are ethically bound to do what's in the client's best interest and protect those funds. Mm-hmm. So in line with that value, I said, we can't take new clients if they are at risk of getting suspended. And so we shut down all new business, incoming business for mm-hmm. several months in a row while we worked on this problem with Google. And we ended up getting it fixed. Google was like, ha ha, our bad and never 
you know, it just, they never tried to make it right. They just said, uh, sorry. Right. Um, they actually never said, sorry. I shouldn't even say that. And then but they, um, they suspended you because of one client who happened to, you know, let's say scam Google and then they're blaming you like you're the one that, oh, you know what? Let's try to work this. I'll get money from this guy, um, but he's going to scam Google. But then I'm getting really <laughs> exactly right. So they basically shut down our business overnight. And it made me realize that even though we're, the, like I said, we're the best in the world at this particular thing, and Google is still, in, in my opinion, best online marketing platform for real estate, period, right? Mm. But, but if we are 100% reliant on that company for all of our revenue, I'm putting control of my income and my child's college saving funds and all that stuff. I'm putting control of those things in Google's hands. And I was not comfortable with that, right? So we expanded our service offering to include, you know, SEO, which is something, not something they can suspend us from, and Facebook ads and Bing ads and all these different things as a counterweight to that, right? Okay. So that was a major mistake that we made that I didn't really understand until much later, right? Because you tend to think it's like, all oh, these big companies, you know, Google's never going out of business, but you just never know. You yeah, never know what's yeah. going to happen. It's a lot of control to give away. And so even for, you know, for someone who's listening to this, has got a real estate business, if you're an agent, investor, or whatever, and you do marketing to find clients, I very much believe that it is inc incumbent on you to not have just one marketing you can't have just one because you can't put all of your eggs in a single basket, right? You can't bet your entire business that your direct mail campaigns are never going to have a problem that, uh, you know, you, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you have got a billboard or whatever you, where you get clients from, you don't know what's going to happen to that thing. Any one marketing channel is great, but you need to have at least a backup, something that you know is going to work because otherwise your business is just at risk. It's always the case. So that was a that was probably the biggest one I'd say. Uh, yeah, for me personally. No, but at least you were able to at least um, rectify that and change the model because now you're not relying only on one uh, source. Let's say source of income, you know, for lack of a better phrase. Mm -hmm. But now you have, like you said, you got uh, Google, Bing, you know, Facebook. So there's so many out there. Um, how? How do you choose which is the best platform? Do we look on online searches? Is that a way to know uh, which is the best platform? You know, because, you know, automatically I go to Google to search for something. You know, I, I right. rarely go to Bing. You know, I'm, or I might go to Facebook and say, hey, you know, I'm looking to uh, for a fine restaurant down in the, I live in New York, uh, and 20th Street, anybody has anything. And of course, you know, a bunch of my friends will tell me, you know, uh, uh different versions of a nice restaurant of Italian restaurant, whatever. How do you guys narrow down, uh, you know, Instagram, Snapchat? I mean, my God, there's so many of them. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. It, it, and I'm a big believer in um, there's group indexed advice and there's individually indexed advice, right? Mm -hmm. Group index advice is on average do X, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, on average, if you got a headache, you take two aspirin, you'll be fine, right? <laughs> now, individually indexed advice is about your individual context and what's specific to you because that two aspirin advice is great, but if you're a baby, two aspirin will kill you, right? So you got to take into account 
you know, who you are specifically. And I, I think marketing is much the same way. On average, if you're a real estate professional, Google is where the vast majority of real estate deals both start and end, right? Okay. Like if you are beginning the process of researching, either buying or selling a house, you're doing it on Google. If you are finally making a decision and you're looking for a local realtor or you're looking to sell to an investor, you are doing that on Google. The vast majority of the time, Google is going to be the primary channel where those transactions start and end. And that is only becoming more the case as we see demographic shifts, right? As the demographics get, you know, sort of younger generations in terms of people who are selling, it was Gen X and now there's going to be Gen Y, you know, it was boomers and then millennials and all this stuff. As those generations come up and become a bigger percentage of the total real estate market, Google becomes more important to the transaction rather than less, right? And so on average, Google's where you go. Now, that's on average, right? In terms of what individually makes the most sense for you as a business owner, my belief is that it ultimately comes down to leveraging your own strengths. Because every marketing channel pretty much every marketing channel is a viable channel for somebody's business, right? right? And so, for example, if you are great on camera and you, you know, super charming, you know how to do video editing, things like Instagram or TikTok or Facebook video ads are very powerful. And you can reach thousands and thousands of people very cheaply. And those are very sort of powerful channels for building a relationship and building trust. And it's, you know, it's amazing, right? Yeah. But I had a client where I asked them to shoot me a quick video just saying like what they did. And it basically looked like a hostage video, right? Like it looked <laughs> like, the, you know, they were cropped weird and the lighting was terrible. And they like, you know, they didn't know where to look. And they're reading it like clearly reading from a script, but it, you know, it just sounded insane, right? It was right, not right. a good look. And so I was like, okay, from we're not doing video ads for you, right? And it's not the video ads that work, it's that they don't leverage your particular strengths, right? right and right. so TikTok tends to skew younger, but it's definitely coming up as a big channel. If you are good on camera, God, TikTok's amazing, right? I personally don't do a lot of TikTok, mostly just because I'm, I'm just too old at this point, right? I'm like, I'm officially too old for TikTok. But if you're a little bit younger, or even younger at heart, then it's great, right? Facebook's still incredibly uh, viable in terms of a channel because it gives you the ability to target people in a big area, to target people based on um, their general interests, some, some basic demographic data, right? Google is incredible because if you just want to get in front of people that are looking to buy a house in Toledo, you can target only people that just typed in buy a house in Toledo, right? Mm -hmm. It's very specific, it's very objective, it's got a lot right. of data behind it. So there's a lot to, there's a lot that goes into each of these channels and they're all viable in their own way, but ultimately it comes down to knowing what you're good at, what makes you special. Right. And then if you lean into that, you're going to find that the, the channel that's right for you will be a lot more obvious. I hope that makes sense. No, no, it does. So we're talking about that the client are the ones that are going to pick whatever they're comfortable with, whether it's Google AdWords or Facebook AdWords, you know, just throwing, you know, uh, you know, like you said, if, they, if I, I'm not on TikTok, so I'm definitely way too old for TikTok, but I get what you're saying. So what did you see in the marketplace that, you came up or, you know, the AdWords nerds needed to be there. What was it that you, that you see 
or you saw in the marketplace? Was it investors coming up to you or maybe, you know, mm. something that you did yourself that you said, wait a minute, I could, I could tweak this way better than what's out there now. Yeah, it was so I, I knew I wanted to pick a target market very early. I mean, when I first started the business, right, I was just working with anybody local to me. So I was doing right. dentists and naturopathic doctors, and I did like an ambulance company and a pizza place, right? It's like yeah. all over the place. And that was valuable experience because I learned a lot doing it. But I knew that if I wanted to be really good at something, I had to specialize because ultimately, right, what creates expertise, right, what creates that sort of deep sense of someone who just knows how to solve a problem, right, with, with a relatively high level of ease, what creates that is pattern matching. Right. And so you have to be able to have enough experiences that are similar to the experience you're having now in order to look back and say, OK, this is this in X, Y, Z way, but it's unlike it in ABC way. And therefore, I'm going to do this. Right? right. That's where expertise comes from. So I knew if I wanted to build a deep sense of expertise that I needed to have a lot of experiences in a general category. Right. So I knew I wanted to pick a target client. Um, and what ended up happening was I, I, you know, I ended up paying for a Tony Robbins business seminar. It was like the most money I'd ever spent on anything and put like $10,000 on a credit card. And I was like, wow, you know, please don't tell my wife. I'm going to try to sneak down there and, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so I went and I, I went with the explicit goal of picking a target market. And I ended up sitting next to a bunch of real estate investors, right? Like I sat all the way in the back because I was like, I don't know much about Tony Robbins, but he, I guess he makes people dance and I don't dance. So I'm going to say way in the back and like, he won't be able to yell at me or I don't know whatever's going to happen. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I was telling the real estate investors about what I did and they just said, you should work with us because investors always need leads. Right. And I said, okay, there you go. That's what I needed to hear. And, um, you know, I was able to get pretty good results pretty quickly, right? Like, and, and it's at, at the time, it wasn't that I had anything amazing, you know, up my sleeve. It was simply that um, I was applying a little bit more uh, sort of attention to detail than most people were used to, right? And so over time, what ends up happening is because I specialize and because I have all this pattern matching experience, we're able to, you know, when, when an investor comes to us and they want to start getting deals online, I can listen to them for 15, 20 minutes and have a pretty darn good idea of what they're going to see, what they should do, what our approach should be, what general strategy we should use. And then from there, you're just testing and iterating and letting the data show you where to go, right? right. So for me, the, the danger always lies in people who have a cookie cutter approach to things where they say like, well, obviously, you know, everybody's got to use my, you know, like, for example, I saw somebody was selling an AdWords campaign, Google ads campaign for an investor. And they said, just plug and play and it'll always work. Right. And I'm like, that's how I know this person has no idea what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because once you've done this a hundred times, 200 times, 300 times, right. Which we have, you start to realize that there's never a cookie cutter performance. It never does exactly what you think. There's always changes that to be made or adaptations to be made. And so you start to get, if anything, a little bit more humble about what exactly you know and what people can expect, right? So it's been um, th that sort of process of 
really focusing, really specializing is a very powerful one. It isn't for everybody, but if you are able to do that in your business, like if you're in a real estate business and you're like, I specialize in a certain type of home or a certain area or a certain type of client, mm -hmm. it allows your level of expertise to get very high, very quickly, right? right? Because you just start to see the same things emerge over and over again. Um, and it helps you know what to do. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, it, it, I'm amazed at this because, you know, I think a lot of us, are still doing it the old way. We send out letters and you get like a half a percent. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, what's the what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, response rate? Uh, yeah, response rate, like a half a percent to 1%. It's like, wow, you know, you might not spend a lot of money, maybe, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200, whatever you're spending on. And I think to me now, and you probably know because you're more, obviously you're in the ads agencies, so to speak. I think it's such a waste of time. I really don't, I'm not a fan of direct mail. That's just me. I, if I could call, you know, and, and, or at least contact them through texting or email, I would love that. I mean, that's obviously that's my preference, but that's on another subject. So if you could explain to my audience, what exactly, and we're talking with uh, Dan Barrett, AdWords nerds, uh, what exactly are AdWords and why is it so important for real estate investors? Like, can you give us an example of, let's say me, all right? I like uh, single family residents. Yeah. Uh, under $50,000. Okay. What, I, what would I do or what would anybody do? So... The way that Google ads works and Google AdWords, Google ads are interchangeable. It used to be called Google AdWords. And they just okay. changed okay. it to the much less descriptive Google ads. So there you go, Google ads. <laughs> and there's multiple types of Google ads, and we'll, we'll keep it simple for now, right? right? If you go on Google and you type in, you know, Nike high top shoe from, right. or whatever, the first four results you see at the top of the screen are going to be ads. And the ones in the middle are going to be organic, meaning they are free, right? So they're just oh. people's websites or whatever. But the, okay. the positions at the top and the ones at the bottom, those are paid spots. Okay. okay. So the way that that works is I, as an advertiser, I am, for example, in this case, selling shoes. I'm like, okay, I open up a Google ads account. I go in there and I tell Google what keywords I want to target. So in my case, it might be Nike shoes, right? or just black high top shoes, something like that. Anything I can think of. I'm gonna tell Google that I want that. And I'm going to bid a certain amount for a single click from that keyword, right? So this is an auction. So I'm gonna go in and say, all right, I'll bid $5, okay? On this keyword, Nike bids. And I set my budget, whatever it is per day. So let's say it's $100 a day, which I'm just gonna make up. Okay. So I'm bidding five bucks on this keyword. I got a hundred bucks a day. Now, every time Google sees someone search for Nike black high tops or some variation of that, the auction process kicks off. And I go into competition with my bid of $5 against everybody else that also wants to compete for that keyword. So mm -hmm. let's say, you know, you bid $6 and our competitor bids $4. Okay. okay. I'll just make that up. Right, right. Well, the competitor that bids $4 is going to be in the lowest position. I bid five. I'm going to be in the second position there. And you bid the most, six bucks. So you're going to be in the top position. Okay. So now we have our ads. They get displayed. All that happens in real time. 
you're on top, I'm in the middle, our competitor friend is at the bottom. Okay. Now, if somebody searches that, sees our ads, and then clicks on them, then and only then Google charges whoever that ad that they clicked on belongs to the amount that they bid. So if they click on your ad, they charge you six bucks. If they click on my ad, they're going to charge me five. If they click on our friend, they're going to charge them four. Okay. Okay. So what Google is, is a pay per click advertising system, meaning you only pay when someone clicks your ads and the amount that you bid or the amount that you're willing to pay is what determines where your ad shows up in that sort of search results page. Okay. Right. And that is basically how it works for an investor, right? What an investor is primarily looking for is a motivated seller. Somebody right. wants to sell their home and is willing to pay or willing to give up some value in that home in order to get that convenience, right? So it could be a person that wants to move very quickly, a person that, um, you know, the house is going into foreclosure, that someone inherited the property and they just want to get rid, you know, it's my grandmother left me this property. It's in another state. Uh, I, I don't want to fix it. Whatever the reason is, there's right. all sorts of reasons, right? So the challenge for an investor using Google ads is to figure out what are those people searching for? And then how do I target those searches and get in front of those people? The classical example of this is the keyword, sell my house fast, right? In fact, uh, just the, the New York Post just did a story yesterday that said, searches for sell my house fast increased like 2000 times in the past week or whatever, you know, due to economic sort of conditions or whatever. Right, so right. someone typing in sell my house fast, I as an investor, I'm gonna write an ad on that keyword. I'm gonna target that keyword, pay whatever I gotta pay. And then I'm gonna watch how many people click my ad how many people turned into leads? How many of those people do I need in order to put a deal under contract, right? And if I'm paying less to get that deal than I am making on the back end, then you're making a profit and you're good to go, right? Okay. So for an investor that we'll work with, average deal value, meaning what they might take home could be anywhere from 10,000 if you're a wholesaler to 30, 40,000 if you're rehabbing or flipping to more, depending on your market. Right. right. Obviously, every market is going to be a little different. Cost per deal acquisition, meaning what we need to pay Google in order to get a deal under contract, can range between $2,000 and $10,000, depending on competition. Right? Again, it's okay. an auction. The more people in the auction, the more expensive it gets. So if you're in a really competitive market, you might need to pay $500 to get a lead. If you're in a market with a lot of volume or without a lot of competition, you might pay 80 bucks to get a lead, right? Generally, what you're going to see is that these leads, the way they close is about one out of every 20 or so becomes a deal under contract. For us, the average is closer to one out of 12. So if we get 12 of these leads coming in, let's say at a cost of $100 a piece, that's $1,200 in order to put a deal under contract. If the client is making more than that, we have a positive return on investment. And those are the economics, what you're looking for, right? Right, right? So the challenge for the agency is every market's different. Every day is different in every market. Uh, everybody's competition is different. Everybody's volume in terms of who's searching for what is different. That stuff changes over and over and over again, depending on what's happening. And we right. have to basically manage that account, make sure that our clients are making money day in and day out. So that's the business. And that's wow. that's why it works as a marketing channel.
And you know, and the thing is though, Dan, and we're talking with Dan Barrett, um, I see where, I mean, obviously, like you said, it, it depends on the market. Uh, where are you and uh, what type of real estate you're looking for? But still, uh, you know, anywhere from $80 to a couple of thousand, it seems like it could be affordable even to the new investor or maybe just they already got their feet wet with one deal or two deals, but it seems somewhat affordable to get mm -hmm. now, do you, do you, um, uh, let's say I give you, I mean, I'm just throwing a number at you, a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I'm looking at, you know, S South Dakota again, I guess it depends on the market. Would that thousand dollars take me far, even whether it's one day a week or a month, how would that work? Yeah. So it very much depends on your goals and your market conditions. Okay. So for example, South Dakota, relatively rural, uh, not, let's say not a ton of competition, right? Right. Okay. So in that case, you might have a hundred dollar cost. Let's just say you have a hundred dollar cost per lead. Okay. Right? Now you got a thousand dollars a month, hundred dollar cost per lead. That means you can get 10 leads a month on average. Okay. Assuming mm -hmm. that you've got enough search volume and everything. Sure, so sure. if you're getting 10 leads a month on average, that's about a deal every two months. Mm. Okay. Assuming I'm just making those numbers up. Right? Sure, sure, now, sure, sure. Same thousand dollars, let's say you're in the city, right? So I'm targeting Brooklyn, right? I might have to pay $500 a lead, maybe, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of competition in Brooklyn, right? Hard to get properties. A lot of, you know, people are going to make a lot of money if they get those properties, et cetera. So rationally, if, you know, efficient market hypothesis, exactly the same as the stock market, rational actors should pay more if there's opportunity to make more on the back end. And that's exactly what you see. Right. Gotcha. So I'm paying 500 bucks a lead in Brooklyn, but hey, I'm going to make 50K if I get a deal. So that's fine. And then, um, well, that $500 a lead, that means I can only get two leads a month with $1,000, mm -hmm. which means it's going to take me 10 months to close a deal. Now, if you ask someone, is that, you know, which one's the better situation? It totally depends. Because let's say, hey, you're getting a deal every other month in South Dakota for $1,000 versus a deal every 10 months in New York for you know $1,000 a month. Obviously, South Dakota is better. But what if the reason that there's no competition in South Dakota is there are no buyers right now? Right. Well, if you're acquiring deals, even for cheap, that you can't dispose of, guess what? You're losing money. You're going to lose money, yeah. Right? So it totally depends on your goals, what you expect to make, your market conditions. It's one of the things I always say, like, I am extremely suspicious of people who, you know, you see people, especially online marketers, they love to put, post a screenshot and be like, check this out. I got a hundred leads for $5 a piece. I'm like, yeah, here's my check, right? And there's no context. There is no context, right? right, right, right. It's a different whole ball it's a whole different ball game if you are in the middle of nowhere versus you are in the middle of the city versus you are doing this type of deal versus that type of deal all that matters and i tell my clients this all the time right I, a client that said uh, for i'll give you a real world example client emailed me today and said hey uh, we just started um you know my cost per lead is 150 bucks i thought it was going to be closer to 80 i'm a little worried and i said okay you know how have the leads been and he's like well we put a deal under contract so, okay, how much money are you going to make? It's like, oh, 20,000. I'm like, okay, so you gave me $2,000. You're going to make 20,000. That's a 10X ROI. But he has a number in his head that he thinks should be lower and it's giving him anxiety, right? And I'm like, 
your market, your account, your campaign, it's different from everybody else's. What right. you need to care about, and this is true of every business and every single marketing decision you're ever going to make, the only thing that matters is money in the checking account. That's all that matters, right? And if that's going up, we're happy. Doesn't mean we have to stay there. Doesn't mean you can't get better. Doesn't mean you can't improve. We're always improving. Right. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. It matters how much money is coming back to your checking account and whether you think that number is going up or down, right? Right. That's a key. Yeah, I agree there. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So you have a webinar. Uh, uh, I saw it on your website. I haven't clicked on it yet. Can you tell us more about the um, the webinar? Yeah, sure. So we, I have, um, if you go to adwordsnerds.com, there's a link there that says framework. Um, and you can go check out as a video I made at the end of last year. And we were talking about um, sort of our general framework for generating leads on Google ads. And the, the reason that I made that video is because there have been a lot of underlying technological changes to the way that Google works. Mm -hmm. Primarily, it's the introduction of artificial intelligence and machine learning to the actual ad auction. And so it used to be, you had to set every single bid yourself. You had to do everything yourself. You got to manage that. You got to make sure every single keyword is producing a positive ROI, yada, yada, yada. Well, now you can allow Google's machine learning algorithm to do that for you. And what used to happen was because investors and motivated sellers isn't the biggest market, right? Like real estate's a big market, but like there aren't a ton of truly motivated sellers in most markets. And so because it was a smaller market, those machine learning systems never really got going. They were never better than a human. You know, they were always kind of underperforming. Well, last year that changed and the quality of the machine learning actually caught up to human uh, managers for the first time. Right. It doesn't mean that they're always the best way to go. They're not. Um, it doesn't mean that they work for everyone. They don't. And you do have to structure in a certain way in order to take advantage of them. But if you can, and we often do, they can be really, really powerful. So I go through all that in the video. I talk about what all that stuff means and how we structured things around those uh, algorithms. If anybody's looking to do Google ads or even just curious about it, um, I think it's a pretty powerful introduction to those systems and something that you can try out on your own if you're curious. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll definitely put that on the show notes. So what's next uh, for the company? What are you guys are looking to do in the next three to six months? Yeah, we are expanding our team, which is pretty exciting. Um, you know, my whole sort of strategy for this year was just to keep doubling down on innovation and sort of service quality. So we have done a lot of um, sort of pivoting in terms of what the market's done um, you know, there was just, it was just such a wild market for so long. We had to really, really work to keep up. Ironically now, I actually think it's getting easier to generate leads than it has been in a long time. I think what a lot of investors are experiencing now is disposition is becoming more of a problem, right? People are a little worried about the economy. So there are yeah. less buyers, um, you know, more inventory. And so we're sort of shifting to work on buyer leads as well, right? How do you build a list of, you know, buyers interested in your properties. Um, so that's, it's kind of been a couple different things, right? Expanding our team, really working on team training. That's been amazing. Really working on just our core service structure and then adding in buyer leads as a, as a sort of viable um, sort of additional service. It's, it's been really, really fun. It's, it's never boring, which is why I like it. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you that too. <laughs> I'm like, my God, is, is something new in the market every day? So uh, talk more about your podcast. Yeah, so so our, it's called REI Marketing Nerds Podcast. Thank you for mentioning it. I never remember to bring it up. Uh, I have been <laughs> doing it for several years now. It's, um, you know, I focus on, um, it's either just me talking about stuff that's current in the market or sort of, I talk a lot about powerful mental models for marketing in general. So mm. how to think through either technical marketing problems or just general marketing problems in a way that's structured and rational. Um, and then I bring on successful investors, right? So we bring on investors that are doing hundreds of deals a year, people who have like really unique approaches to marketing. So I'll bring on the CEOs of, uh, you know, tech companies in the space or right. um, people who are building software for investing or even just a regular investor that's crushing it at some element of what they do. So for example, I had on, Andrew Newland, who is, uh, 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 runs a company called Ozarks House Buyers, says it's like a relatively rural market, but this dude just has the best sort of way of talking to potential sellers, getting them on the phone and building trust, right? So we break down, like, what does that process look like? How do you do that? How do you learn that, right? How do you practice it? Um yeah, it's a really, really fun. I love doing it. Uh, clearly, I love to talk. You can probably tell. And uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So yeah, REI Marketing Nerds, you can find it anywhere podcasts are sold. And uh, <laughs> I would love for people to check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, again, I'll definitely put that on the show notes. Well, first of all, Dan, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to Peter Peer Real Estate Show. And before I let you go, and I already could tell, but what keeps you motivated? What, you know, you get up in the morning, you know, you got to hustle and bustle. But what's that motivation like uh, for you, uh, you know, as soon as you get up in the morning? Yeah, I, uh, I'll i tell you what, man, like I was actually just asking myself this the other day. Um, I am just really driven to make cool stuff. And for me, that means solving interesting problems and building systems around it, right? right. So I love what the company does in terms of online marketing and learning, you know, learning those systems. But I also just love working on the business, like saying, how can we do this in a better way? Or, you know, how can we make this more efficient? Um, it's just super fun, right? And, and yeah. there's just, there's always something new to work on. There's nothing, something new to learn. Like I'm very motivated by growth and there is no better vehicle for growth than running your own business with the possible exception of marriage, right? Marriage and <laughs> Both will challenge they go you in hand in hand, right? <laughs> yes. Challenge you to grow in, in ways that you never really expected. Right. And um, that's what I love about it, man. That's why I come here every day. And I, I walk in every day with a smile on my face, uh, bar almost bar none. And uh I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't yeah. trade. It. No, no, listen, I, I I could definitely tell. And you have a podcast, right? Obviously, and you know, you got the website, you got the webinar and everything. Is there any books you would like to recommend? Because Dan Barrett has at least a couple of books in him. Now, I looked at your website, and I, if, I, if I miss books, then please forgive me. Uh, you know, because oh, you, have, I, uh, you have a book, one or two in you, especially in this type of for this type of field. Which, yes, uh, I am a I'm a huge reader. I'm constantly re I'm reading like five books at a time, not fast, but I am reading them. Um, you know what, there's a, there's a book that I will, I will, I love to recommend that I will, the two books that I'll always, always recommend that have had a huge influence on me, even just recently. First is, uh, uh, poor Charlie's almanac. 
which is a collection of the writings and the lectures of Charlie Munger, right? Who is Warren Buffett's partner at Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that had a profound impact on me in terms of changing how I think and thinking more systematically. Oh. Um, that's a wonderful book. It, it's a big, heavy coffee table book. So if you find it in physical format, it's great. But um, however you get your hands on that, that's a good one. But the second book is sort of a weird one, not traditionally a business book but it's really changed how I view kind of my whole life. And it's this book that's called The Master and His Emissary. The Master and His Emissary. And it's actually about um, the left and right hemispheres of the brain and how they perceive the world very differently. And the left side of the brain is very analytical. This is mm. like my place where I live, right? You put everything in a spreadsheet, you dissect everything, you break it into its component parts, you optimize the parts, right? This is basic systems thinking stuff. But the right hemisphere is contextual. It views everything all at once. It doesn't dissect anything. And it controls a huge part of what you do in your life, right? So the one of the things he says in this book is you can't think yourself to sleep. Like you can't make yourself sleep by dissecting the different parts of falling asleep and trying to do everyone right, right? The process of analysis in many cases destroys what is important about a lot of different parts in your life, right? Like your ability to dance and just relax or your ability to think things are funny or to have a sort of connective human you know, conversation with somebody. It's a weird book. It's a densely philosophical book. The guy's also a neuroscientist, but it is an incredible way to look at the world. So I would recommend it if anybody has a chance to check it out. No, I'll definitely check it out because I, you know, you hit it right on the head because I'm one of those guys too. I like spreadsheets. I like making checklists. I like, uh, you know, yep. uh, and, and it's funny because you, you, you have worked or are working with Joe McCall and he's a big I know he was, a, I think, an engineer in college or something like that. So I, you know, so sometimes like when he does a webinar or whatever, you know, I'll copy his uh, spreadsheet on, you know, on mathematical yeah. problems. You know, uh, if, a, if a seller puts this down, there's how much you get. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. But also on my right side, it's analysis paralysis. Is that where we get that from? Just by just being afraid to make that move and just, oh, well, let me see. Let me analyze these numbers one more time. It's, yeah, I think that's a part of it, right? Yeah. Analysis is recursive. You start to, you think about a problem, then you start to think about how you're thinking about it. And you start yeah. to think about, maybe I'm not thinking about it right. And all these things, it gets to be a bit much. So yeah, yeah I think it's, it is a, a part of us and something we got to do a better job of and something I need to do a better job of. Uh, I'm with you. I'm the same way. And if somebody wanted to find you, what's the best way? Yeah, so AdWords Nerds is the website, A-D-W-O-R-D-S, nerds.com. It's certainly the place to go. You can find everything I do there, uh, podcasts, blogs, uh, all that stuff. So definitely go check it out. Yeah, sounds good. Well, again, Dan, thank you so much for being on Peter Peer Real Estate Show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, it was absolutely my pleasure. I'll it be was. I had a good time. Thank you, all buddy. Right. All right, bye-bye. Well, everyone, that was Dan Barrett. And you can find them at dan at adwordsnerds.com. That's adwordsnerds.com. Dan, thank you so much for being on Peer to Peer Real Estate Show. Really appreciate it. You can find me at peer to peer real estate.com. That's peer to number two, peer real estate.com. Check out our past shows and check out our blog and resource page. 
Also, when you get a chance, please go to Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe. Leave a review. Tell us how we can make this show better. And before I go, guys, just a couple more things. Do not give up on your dreams. Fight for it. Guard it. Protect it. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. And I really believe if you keep the momentum going, good things will happen. On behalf of Peter P. Real Estate Show, I'm William Morales. Until next time, thanks, everybody. Have a great day, and please stay safe. Bye.